Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. The Ten Commandments. We recognize this as the centerpiece of law or living in a manner that is right. You shall have no other gods before me, said the Lord God. You shall not make a graven image that represented God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Shall honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor anything that belongs to another person. Now, this set of 10 words, 10 regulations from God, forms the centerpiece of what is called the Old Covenant or the Sinai Covenant, the covenant that God made with Israel. But throughout uh, the history since then of those who have claimed the Bible to be the Word of God or held to the Bible as the Word of God and claimed to be the people of the of the scriptures, we have regarded these laws from God as speaking the will and mind of God, something to be regarded, to be obeyed. There has been some debate, theologically speaking, as to how the law should function in our lives, uh, but everyone recognizes these as being given by God. When the Apostle Paul is discussing the nature of the gospel in his epistle to the Galatians, the role and function of the law becomes emerges as the big issue, a big question, because there were people going through the churches telling them it was not enough for them to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and turn to the living and true God by faith and walk in and live in a way that is pleasing to him, but it was also necessary to keep everything in the law of Moses. And the Apostle Paul, when whom we have followed in his Uh, discussion of this issue uh, through the first two chapters of Galatians and now in the middle of the third chapter tells us that this teaching that you should add the works of the law to the gospel was something that in fact nullified the gospel. It was a distortion of the truth. It was something that corrupted the gospel to such a degree that the gospel was not a gospel anymore. So if the law was not intended as a law for Christians to live by, if what God commanded Abraham, including the law of circumcision, and what God commanded Israel in terms of dietary laws and every other thing, is not still to be applicable, it's a natural question that arises. So why did God give it? And that's what he brings up and speaks to when we come to Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. Galatians 3, 19 and 20 We read the apostles' words this way, Why then the law? And then he goes on to answer this question he raises. It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. 
Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Some are the opaque comments by the apostle if we read these out of context. What is he speaking about in regard to an intermediary? What about uh, the promise he's referring to? So if we have been following the discussion up to this point, we know that the Apostle Paul has pointed out that salvation, even through the gospel, is the fulfillment of a promise God made long ago. This promise was made to our the patriarch Abraham when God called Abram out of Mesopotamia and gave him a promise of blessing along with the promise of making him into a great nation and giving him a land. God also included a promise that was meant for everyone, including you and me, when God said in you, Abraham, and later on when he's in chapter 22 of Genesis, he says in your offspring, O Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. God brought blessing to Abraham. He blessed Abraham with righteousness, with a restored relationship with him, with Abraham's own guilt and sin not being considered as his own, with forgiveness when Abraham believed God. And the point that the Apostle Paul has been making is that this is the same principle by which he reaches out to us through the gospel, that is in trusting God for who he is and what he has revealed and what he tells us, that we are reckoned as not without guilt. We are considered guilt-free. We are acquitted in the court of God. We are given righteousness, which we, are, we need to be in fellowship with God. So this was the principle of operation in regard to a right relationship with God when it concerned Abraham, and so it has been ever since. A, a right relationship with God has always been by faith. The way to have a relationship with God is by trusting him. To The way to be just is by faith. So, we might ask, along with the hypothetical objector to the Apostle Paul, why then the law? Why did God give the law if this was not for salvation? And the answer is that the, no, the law was never for salvation. The law, he says, here he says, it was added because of transgressions. The Lord, the Lord gave the law to Israel because people were lawbreakers. They were bound to go astray. They were, he will say later on, in the status of those who are spiritually in regard to maturity in the state of children. So it was added because of transgressions. Perhaps, and this, this particular phrase is often debated, perhaps with a view to show our own sinfulness, so that when the law was given, and because of people's inability to keep the law of God perfectly, they will transgress and thereby realize that there must be something besides keeping of the law to be able to be reconciled with God. If we simply turn to the Old Testament, uh, the examples are many. If salvation was by keeping of the law, King David, whom Scripture describes as one whose heart was rightly oriented toward God, would never be saved because David was guilty of, in fact, breaking the Ten Commandments. And yet, he is somebody who obtained forgiveness. Elsewhere, 
the Apostle Paul, Paul will quote words from David, the, the king of Israel, the psalmist, in Psalm 32. How blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose deceit there is no guile. Blessedness there is from our sins being forgiven. The iniquity that belongs to us not being accounted to us. This is what David found and recognized. He found, despite his desire and willingness to obey God and want to follow him, he did fail at some point in his life, greatly, significantly, with great consequences. So it was not possible that one could be right with God simply by keeping all of the law of God perfectly. And when we think more about it, we'll find that, in fact, the law of God does not consist in merely external obedience. And if we really look at how the law of God would work, and this comes out in how the Lord Jesus explains uh, the righteousness of God when he goes through what, what is called the Sermon on the Mount. You may not have committed adultery physically, but you could still have had adultery in your heart in how you have thought and looked and had processes, mental processes going on. And so these things actually revealed a, a flaw deep within the human character as we are now as descendants of Adam, born in our normal fallen human nature. So the law was not something that in itself was capable of saving. So the Apostle Paul says God added it. It was not original. He didn't begin with it. He, in fact, began with the, began with the promise. When he called Abraham, he didn't give him a law. He gave him a promise, including the promise of salvation ultimately through the descendant of Abraham. And so why did he add the law? Because when he called the people of Israel, he gave them a law for the, the purpose of their civil life, their religious life, and for overall regulation and government. It was for managing conduct and behavior through warnings and penalties. It was not for the purpose of giving them eternal life and an everlasting relationship with God. So he says here it was added because of transgressions, maybe because they were prone to disobey, as all we all are, to show that wrong is wrong. There is behavior that is displeasing to God and pleasing to God, and we should strive to please him. But it may also be that the law exposes, and this the Apostle Paul brings out in other places, such as in Romans chapter 7, so that the law exposes the flaw of the human heart what we call our original sin, and it exposes it and shows us the need for being reconciled to God by grace. And God, in fact, saves us by his grace. Now we know that God is able to save us by his grace because he himself has borne the penalty for it. He bore the damages of our violence and disobedience. He paid the price by paying our debt when Jesus died on the cross. So the law was added because of human proclivity 
to disobey, to go against the ultimate will and what is according to the righteous standards of God. And they're actually carrying such behavior out. And it was not meant to be a permanent standard. So here he says, until the seed of Abraham, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. So God gave us the law as a temporary measure to keep the people of God under regulation and good conduct, to regulate their civil life as sort of a penal code for the nation of Israel and not as a means of salvation. In fact, and this is a point often neglected when we think about the law, the law was really the centerpiece of a covenant God made with Israel. The law was actually the centerpiece of a covenant that God purposed and actually did make with the people of Israel. He had rescued them out of bondage in Egypt. He had brought them out by his power. God made them cross through the Red Sea, brought them into the desert to Mount Sinai, and there he appeared to them. And there was a covenant transaction between God and the people of Israel. And this, the Ten Commandments, the law, was the centerpiece of that covenant. It had particular things associated with them, but it was not men, meant to be the thing by which they would be saved forever. That was through the promised seed. That was through the ultimate descendant of Abraham, through whom God would bless the world. And God blesses the world through him because he brings his salvation through his death and resurrection. Believe in him and you shall be saved. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.